So welcome back to the CSULB Math and Stat Podcast. We are your hosts, Adam Allred. And Sina Nguyen. And we are here with Dr. Chang today. Um, so if you can go ahead, introduce yourself, um, sort of the years you've been at CSULB, what you teach, where did you go to school, and all that. Well, my name is Jin Mei Chen. If you speak that in Chinese, it would be Zhang Ren Mei. And I have been here 11 years. Uh, this is my 12th year. I was just recently promoted to a full professor, so I feel much relieved. Congrats. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you. And I went to uh, CSU Sacramento for my undergraduate degree in mathematics and uh, went to Colorado State University for my master's and PhD in mathematics. Wow. Was it um, undergrad, was it pure or applied? At CSU Sacramento, it was all pure math programs, okay. and as well as the Colorado State University, they didn't have anything other than just a general math program. Okay, wow. that's interesting. So, first question, uh, Dr. Chang, why did you choose to study math, and what was the math journey like? I came to this country as an international student. I didn't speak the language very well. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was puzzled as what I could do. I always thought I want to be a professional basketball player growing <laughs> up and my mom who's the wise person she is advised me out of it <laughs> and I, I very much appreciated um, her her words but at the time when I was here like I said English was a, a challenge for me so and when I was in college I thought about what I could do and teaching sounded like a, a reasonable thing because I really liked one of my high school teachers back in Taiwan and I want to be like her one day and so um, teaching but then I thought about English and other subjects and just just didn't seem feasible to me at the time and math was something that because the universal language as it is just made um, that choice a little bit easier and at the time at at a community college I was taking a pre-calculus class and Everything makes so much sense and super reasonable. I really enjoyed the way that the concepts were explained to me by this professor. So that's why I decided to just go into math. Um, were you, was it, um, did you find yourself to be like a sort of phenom, phenom of math or was it like you were failing tests but still liked it a lot? <laughs> yeah, um, well, or somewhere in between? Yeah, but in Taiwan it was, you know, it's all subjects where it was more of a cramming style. So you remember how to do these things because you need to, to do well on tests. You know, I didn't get to appreciate the beauty of mathematics back then, but then when I was in the States, I started to see why math could be powerful and more beautiful. And I just ended up being okay in it. Like I never really failed any major tests. I mean, I did fail a couple of tests, but I was able to recover from it. And all through my journey in pursuing mathematics, it has been, um, it has been okay. Like it was, was, I mean, there are points in my graduate careers where I like, this is so hard. My brain is hurting, but um, in undergraduate careers, it was pretty smooth. Okay. Um, so you mentioned it a little bit before um, why you decided to go into teaching, but like why, why professor over like a teacher, like high school teacher versus professor? Yeah, I never really figured that out <laughs> until, <laughs> until maybe I was 27 or something. Cause um, again, being here all by myself, without a family, without a mentor, uh, without any sort of a support, um, I was left alone in all these decisions. And so for me at the time, it was just keep pursuing the degree. I just I knew that I needed to do well in coursework. I didn't really know what the next step was going to be. 
uh, until you know when I graduate when I about to graduate from CSU Sacramento I was chatting with a friend and he talked about going to graduate schools at Colorado State and I just kind of followed suit that was like the only applied I'd applied to I didn't know anything about graduate school I didn't know that the consequence of going to graduate school and why someone needs to go to graduate school but at the time that seemed to be the only option for me because uh, being an international student, tuition is very expensive, and my family wasn't going to support me after um, college. So it was all by myself, and I didn't know what it would mean to be a teacher in high school. Um, so I basically just followed this friend's footsteps mm-hmm. and, then, um, and started pursuing PhD. And then it's only when I started doing the, the PhD program, I started to get exposed to um, excellent teachings um, in college. So I had to teach calculus classes when I was a TA there. And the more and more I do it, the more fun and enjoyment I started to get. And, and that kind of solidified my, my decision to want to be a college professor. Okay. Uh, um, do you have any advice for any students who find themselves like in the same place as you back then when you were an undergrad in college? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, If I had known better, <laughs> I would have probably made different choices. I mean, I don't regret the choice I made by going to Colorado State. It's just such a beautiful place and great people. Uh, but students who were probably in a similar situations at a similar time, I would strongly recommend that they talk to as many professors and the peers as possible to see all the different options. Um, because there's so much support out there nowadays. There's so many things you can do, right? undergraduate, undergraduate research experiences, doing research experiences with the professors on campus or your internship programs and other other enrichment programs that you can participate. I just didn't know any of it. Mm-hmm. Had I known that, I think um, my career might look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, like in ex- my experience with tutoring and stuff, I try to like mimic favorite professors just as like trying to explain concepts. Was there a professor, like when you started TAing and having to teach, was there a specific professor like, I'm gonna mimic this person until I get my own style? Yeah, I think everyone is kind of exactly like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they always do what their favorite professors do. And for me, it was um, good teaching, meaning at the time when I was start, still, still growing as a, as a kind of a professional in this, in this field, I, I feel like good teaching is somebody who can give a really crystal clear lecture. Um, but that, that idea of good teaching has definitely grown over time. You know, being here 10 years, 11 years, I've completely changed the, the way I think about a good teaching is. So nowadays I think of good teaching as somebody who can guide the students, facilitate a learning process, and, and also be the learner themselves, to be in, immersed in the conversations, uh, but never to give out answers right away, but then to guide students to the discovery themselves. Because success comes more from you being able to create the knowledge yourself, mm-hmm. um, instead of just listening to somebody lecture on something that they felt was important for you. I think it's more important that they discover something that they you know, they, they think it's important. Okay, cool. Uh, so I guess we'll move on to the next question then. Yeah. So what do you think math is, or do you think math is more work? <laughs> a, bit, a bit deep, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I made a mistake just yesterday telling my students not to do any math when I gave them a clicker question mm-hmm. in class. But I, I, I suddenly I feel like, no, 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 you do do math. It's just don't do calculations. <laughs> yes. Right? So it's, it's I think... Again, as I as I grow as a, as a professional in this in academic, I feel math is more about um, the reasoning. It's mm-hmm. more about problem solving in general, but by breaking things down into smaller pieces and 
gather critical information and then and help you to solve it. And then at the same time, being able to critically examine the outcomes you get and figure out what could be wrong or why is it right and be able to interpret your, your answers. So the math is all of that. Okay. It's you know, starting from reading a question in, in the written language, um, understanding the context, and then set up an equations or expressions to describe and then to solve, solve for it, and then be able, to be able to validate the solutions and interpret the results. All of this is mathematics. Okay. Um, and sort of branching off of that, do you think that, that, that if that's what you think math is, that there is actually a difference between pure and applied math? Or is it just sort of like we need to distinguish degrees so we made a line somewhere? Yeah, I think that's more okay. like it. Yeah, there, I don't think there is any difference. It's just, I think it's easier to categorize certain types of mathematics fields under the general math option and then the applied math options maybe just easier for the people to set up departments or colleges or something but I think the underlying mathematics is all the same it's you, know, you take some abstract concepts you try to materialize it into some sort of a theorem or a result and then be able to use it and even in pure mathematics nowadays a lot of the people who are in the sciences are going back to the, the pure math fields and start using results from them in their applications. So yeah, that line for me is very blurry. <laughs> That's fair. All right, so the next question, are you currently working on any research? I have been very interested in all sorts of things in my career. I you know, started as my PhD program, I started doing biometrics, uh, face recognition. I worked with computer scientists uh, at Colorado State to come up with geometric data analysis techniques to study patterns in high-dimensional space. But as soon as I got to campus here, I didn't, I wasn't able to find any collaborators on, on, on this project. So I started to collaborate with medical doctors who studies human placentas. And so in the past few years, I have been studying the connections between human placentas and adult diseases such as autism, hypertension type of thing. But most of the stuff that I do focuses on image processing and data analysis. And so recently I have become very interested in studying educational data. For example, looking at students' retention and graduation rates and factors that could impact a different retention and graduation rates. So I'm currently working with quite a few statistics master's students uh, looking at various aspects of this, yeah, so such as uh, one, one person is looking at uh, the set of characteristics of students who, why they are doing well in, say, for example, Math 104 or Statistics 108. Another student could be looking at the major switching pattern, so why students switch out of a certain major, and if you do switch out of a certain major, are they successful after that? Wow. Um, so you, you said that your degrees were in pure math before. How did you come across biometrics? as a PhD student and then like were you thinking like oh let me just like was it that sounds interesting let's see if math can do it or was it just like you noticed that math could do it and so you found it yeah when you're in a PhD program you pretty much do everything that your math professor tells you to do yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's kind of here's some money here's a project <laughs> I'm working on go do it I'm like, okay. yeah sure there's money I'll go do it right? yeah but, but, you know, before I make decision to work with my advisor, I really wanted to do something with geometry and also with images because I, I love photography. I'm a, kind of an amateur photographer. 
And so my advisor at the time was the only person who kind of connects the two mm -hmm. and just ended up being that there was a project with the computer science majors that, you know, looked at face recognitions. And so this just kind of, to me, was like the perfect project okay. that I wanted to work on. But, you know, usually you just do whatever your advisor tells you. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, do you think it's sort of like if you, that being your PhD project or uh, your thesis led you to then want to continue doing the other things or like if you had finished that was there something else like okay I'm done with my PhD I want to do actually what I want to do now if that makes sense it doesn't make sense okay um so like if you're were you, was that something you were like because you were actually super interested in like geometry and images and stuff and you said you wanted to do like facial recognition when you left was that something you wanted to continue doing or when you're like I got my PhD that project's done I got the money now I want to go do whatever else yeah I mean it's I mean the, the answer is probably twofold one is when you get hired as a tenure track faculty in the, in the math department you kind of have to continue doing research mm -hmm. so it's in a way you're obligated to, to want to continue okay um, otherwise it, it would be incredibly difficult to start a brand new research project um, the other side of all of this is that I did wanted to do something with my my thesis work because it's extremely interesting mm -hmm. and it has wide applications. I mean, there's so much application nowadays with face recognition. But at the time, I was again international student, mm -hmm. was not a citizen, so it would be impossible for me to get an industry job that does biometric kind of thing okay. because it, it requires top level mm -hmm. clearance. So to me, it was, I, I mean, I wanted to go into teaching because that's where my passion is. And I definitely wanted to continue some sort of it, the face recognition project. But it just ended up being, you know, at the time that was, it was easier for me to collaborate with somebody who does like the medical image processing. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, last question, do you have a favorite theorem? I do, I do have a favorite theorem. Uh, that theorem is called the singular value decomposition, short for SVD. Um, the, the theorem, the SVD theorem is something that I used extensively under, in, in my graduate school and almost many things that we do it relies on SVD. And in a nutshell, it's a compact way of re-representing your data or information in a super um, informative way. So you know, if you think about your data living, living in the high dimensional space, it's very messy and very hard to interpret and understand the geometry of it. SVD allows one to re-represent that information in a very um, efficient way. So then you can actually get the ge geometric information out of it. That, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And then, so I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example for okay. it. Right? For example, you know, if you take if you look at a piece of paper which is intrinsically two-dimensional mm -hmm. because it's flat everywhere you walk on it. Um, but if you embed that paper in a three-dimensional space, which is the, the, the space that we live in, in the world that we live in, and if you discretize the points on this paper, on this piece of paper, and you'll try to, well, the, all the points have three-dimensional representation. It's got some X, it's got some Y, got some Z coordinates to it, right? So for anybody who comes around and say, well, that's just a three-dimensional object because it has X, Y, and Z coordinates. SVD allows you to actually look at your, your data or that piece of paper, the set of, set of points that's coming from that piece of paper, and actually um, be able to represent it using only two bases. Um, because if you to re, kind of reshuffle your data in this new basis representation, you'll see that there are only two bases that has 
um, a non-zero eigenvalue corresponding to them, which tells you intrinsically your data is two-dimensional. So in a way, it says you really don't need a three-dimensional world to represent something that is two-dimensional. You uh -huh. just need a 2D world. So you can strip off that z-coordinate and simply use x and y-coordinates to represent it. Wow. So it's a super, um, <laughs> super cool tool for data reduction okay. and re-representation. That's okay. super rad. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's all that we have. Um, thank you for letting us do this. <laughs> yeah.